Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. From the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy! Hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy, your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy. I'm Sarah Foss and we have a special episode in store for you because today we're kicking off our interviews with some of our Season 39 standout champions. And right now, I'm joined by nine-game winner, Ben Chan. Ben, welcome to the pod. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Sarah. It's good to see you again. Good to see you. I see that Green Bay summers are treating you well. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've got a little bit of color. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of time outside. Actually, one of the only splurgy things we've done is to um, buy some new bicycles and a nice bike rack for our car. So. All right. So you haven't quite traveled the world as promised with your winnings, but you've been <laughs> cycling around Yeah, we've been cycling. <laughs> yeah, it turned out, and well, that's one of the funny things, right? It happened so fast. You know, I never made plans about what I would do if I'd made uh, some <laughs> substantial oh, amount you of know, money. You nearly know, nearly <laughs> $200,000 at that point when you first talked about the travel. Yeah. Yeah. So when I got home, I mentioned to my wife, uh, I was like, oh, they asked me what I was going to do. So I said the only thing I could think of, which was do a cross-country road trip this summer. And she was like, uh, my summer's already booked. <laughs> have the dogs benefited? I know we've heard about Ruthie and Chester. They may have come on vacation with you. Is there a bike rack, a uh, little special basket for them or anything? <laughs> <laughs> There's no basket, but actually the most of the bike rack usage has been so I can take my bike up to a nice preserve that we have up by the, the Bay of Green Bay, and I can tire them out without tiring myself out ah. by biking with them while okay. they follow along. Yeah. This is very smart. So maybe the cross-country road trip will happen next summer? That is the plan. All right. So no big splurges other than the bicycles so far. But how has life changed for you? I mean, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, to walk around as a nine-game champion, Aaron Rodgers isn't there anymore. You've got to be about the most <laughs> famous man in Wisconsin, or at least in Green Bay. <laughs> Yeah, Green Bay, as uh, some people in the trivia circles may know, it's the smallest city in North America with a major sports team. Yes. So it's a city, but it feels like a town, and there are the benefits of that. So I think people noticed, and I was happy that they rallied around me, and I was very proud to make Green Bay proud. And so, yeah, I have a little bit of local celebrity status <laughs> at the moment. What's the craziest place you've been recognized, would you say? The craziest place, I was just getting into New York City where my um, mother and sister still live. And I was walking on the jet bridge, getting off the plane. I hear a shout behind me saying, hey, aren't you that Jeopardy guy? And it's the pilot. The pilot <laughs> <No> <laughs> had way. come out of the plane and said, I watched you. You know, So I thought that was surprising because it's very out of context right? Sure. For, for them. Um, so uh, I guess I look in real life like I did on TV. Well, and I think, you know, being called that guy, not always a compliment. <laughs> but if you're that Jeopardy guy, that's a pretty good compliment. 
No, it's a nice thing, right? When you recognize it's, you know, what I think one of my goals in coming on, however I did, was just to have fun. Because, you know, if we have fun, then hopefully the people who are watching will have fun. And it's been nice to hear from people who watched that they had fun watching, right? Yeah, the comments about you in particular and your run, people were huge Bin Chan fans, just that you seem like such a nice guy, that you were having a good time up there. So thanks for that. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you. I mean, I think one thing that I've said to people who've asked is, yeah, I've never felt more at home than when I was playing. <laughs> and it's just rare to have that kind of fit between a stage, literal stage, and your your capabilities, right? So it was just it was an amazing experience. Now tell me about your journey to get onto the Alex Trebek stage. You know, when did you first start auditioning? How how did your process unfold? I feel a little bit guilty about it because Don't feel it guilty, happened ben. so. It's okay. <laughs> you know, I know I've had a chance to meet a lot of you know longtime fans and people who have been trying to get on, and for me. You know, I'd taken the, actually, probably 10 years ago was the first time I took the anytime test or the schedule test, right? Sure. But it wasn't until last June when it really became a sort of bucket list item for me, right? I was at a conference. It was actually a conference in honor of um, a friend of mine who passed away. And I was at the last night of the conference, one of my friends introduced me to Learned League and Ooh. said, hey, I think you might be good at this. And so I joined and I found that I, I was pretty good at it. And I was, you know, competitive with people who had been on and won at Jeopardy. And I thought, oh, right, this is something that I really should want, <laughs> want to do. Like I would enjoy it. And so it became a goal of mine really last June. I got the audition pretty shortly after that. And <laughs> before I knew it, I was on the stage. So you took the anytime test in June then? I think I had taken it a little bit before then, but it was, I think it was one of those, <laughs> I think I had had a glass of wine, had watched Jeopardy, had played along and was kind of feeling myself because I yeah, thought if I had been on that recommend. day, right? I mean... yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> if I were on, I think I would have won today. And so I took the anytime test. My feet weren't even on the ground, you know, I was just yes. lying on the couch taking the anytime test. And so, yeah, it doesn't need to be that <laughs> I love that you're saying this, Ben, because this is what we tell people. You know, you used to have to have the scheduled test. It was once a year. You had to, you know, get yourself ready. Now you really can take it any time. You can have it after a glass of wine. You watch Jeopardy. You're feeling confident. Put your feet up. Turn on the computer, the iPad, 10 to 15 minutes, and you could end up like Ben Chan. That could happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, so actually, I mean, your voice reminds me. I think one of my things in my preparation after my audition um, I thought, okay, you know, I could be going on, so I might as I might as well prepare. And so I listened to Jeopardy radio on, you know, <laughs> tune in, and oftentimes um, your voice will <laughs> will come on and say, Lucky "You could you. be the next great <laughs> Jeopardy chief." Yeah. And I thought, actually, I think she's right. Like you could, <laughs> I, Why I could not be. me, right? Why not exactly. me? Exactly. Yeah. Well, you don't have to feel guilty that your journey, you know, was a quick one because there is. A different story for every champion, right? I mean, we have champions who tried out so many times over the years and then finally made it on the show. And, and for some like you, you just got really motivated and you got on the show quickly. So there's no one way to become a Jeopardy! champion. But I'm glad that you just kind of reiterated the anytime tests. You just have to take it. And what's interesting to me is I talk to so many champions who say, 
you know, I didn't know if I was going to be good or I didn't know if I had what, like, even those of you who are so great don't know how great you could be on the Alex Trebek stage. So if anyone's listening and you're feeling that way, just take the test. You just never know, right? Yes. 100%. 100%. 100%. So you get the call. You know you're coming. What do you do in those weeks leading up to coming to Los Angeles to compete on Jeopardy for the first time? You know, one of the things when I was watching at home throughout the years as a regular but casual viewer is whenever you would ask a question about English monarchs, I'd roll my eyes and say, <laughs> come on, why should anybody know about the, the English monarchs? So the first thing I studied was I memorized a list of English monarchs. So, you know, I think if you're a regular viewer, you have an idea about some of those uh, recurring categories that may be Achilles heels of yours. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, as you often say, the best preparation for Jeopardy is watching Jeopardy. Watching Jeopardy, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I watched attentively, you know, went through J Archive, obviously. You know, there are things that uh, I've heard of all the presidents. <laughs> But if you gave me a year, I might not be able to name the president. So, you know, I brushed up on those sorts of things, world capitals and the like. And now a quick word from our sponsor. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify and the moment another business dream becomes a reality. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. Whether you're selling satin sheets from Shopify's in-person POS system or offering organic olive oil on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you're covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. One of the things I really love about Shopify is that no matter how much you want to grow or how fast you want to grow, Shopify is ready with the tools you need for every level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every single step of the way. This is a possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash jeopardy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash jeopardy to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash jeopardy. Travel plans for summer? Learn to speak like a local with Babbel. Because with Babbel, you can start speaking a new language in just three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations. All of Babbel's tips and tools for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching. With Babbel, you can learn everything you need to have real-world conversations, from vocab words to culture, and all it takes is 10 minutes a day. Babbel is helping millions of people quickly and confidently have real-world conversations in a new language. I'm so thankful that I had Babbel to help me get confident before my family trip to France, and now I can be the tour guide. Here is a special limited-time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. Get 55 
5% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash inside J. Get 55% off babbel.com slash inside J, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash inside J. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, back to Inside Jeopardy. So once you get to Los Angeles and you have your first day of taping, everything's going pretty well. What are you thinking as you are actually realizing a dream, a goal? It's happening. Yeah, I think people have asked me what was the most surprising thing about the experience. And I think the most surprising thing about the experience was winning, right? Not so (laughs) much because I didn't think I could win, but because... I wanted to be very process oriented, right, in my preparation, right? It's truly a once in a lifetime opportunity and I didn't want to have any regrets about how I prepared or not being myself on stage, right? Um, So I wanted to prepare well and having prepared well, I wanted to play with as much joy as possible. Um, but I never really did winning enter my mind and all of that, (laughs) right? So I prepared well, I tried to play with joy, but I was completely unprepared for the winning part. In some ways, it's that part still hasn't really sunk in. Hopefully, there's more winning <laughs> to happen. But... Absolutely. Well, you are winning, and then you leave us as a three-day champion. You go home to take a little break. It's time to come back, and you know, you yourself have said publicly that you ended up getting COVID and were unable to travel. What was that moment like for you when you take the test? I mean, we've all been through that moment, but your stakes were a little different. What was that like when you look down, you see the test and it says I'm positive? I was very mad at myself for not having locked myself in a closet. For, you know. <laughs> well, you know, there are limitations. We can't go around in closets for two years, Ben. You can't be too hard on yourself. Well, so I was mad at myself. And then, you know, I think this is the thing that a lot of contestants um, will sympathize with is that there's so much waiting involved <laughs> with with right. being a contestant, right. right? There's the waiting for the call, and then there's the waiting between your tape date and your air date, and you can't talk to many people about it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of time if you're uh, predisposed to ruminating about things, right? It's a lot of time mm-hmm. to do, be doing too much processing mm-hmm. of things without talking mm-hmm. to other people. <laughs> and so I just had more time for that kind of um, perseveration about (laughs) possibilities and stuff. So I think that was the big thing. It was just more waiting time. And then, you know, I think the hardest game you're going to play on Jeopardy is your first game, right? Because two reasons. One, you're fresh and don't have an experience. And second, maybe more important, you're playing somebody who's a champion. Exactly. So I had some experience and I felt good about that. But I was kicking myself because I knew I would, was going to have to play another champion. And as it happened, it was, it was a very good champion that I, that I came back to have to play. Right. So you come back as a three-day champion. You know, there was a lot of discussion about this when it was happening. You're up against Hannah Wilson, who at that point was an eight-game winner. And people were saying, no, it's not fair. You shouldn't put Ben in against Hannah. And, you know, there was a lot of talk about it, and we addressed it here on the podcast. We said, we do this in the most fair way possible. We rebook Ben as soon as he can come back, and we know he's going to play in the first game. What we don't know is who will be the champion. There's going to be a champion regardless. We don't know who the champion is. So you come back, and you face a powerhouse in Hannah Wilson. 
and you come to play. $60,000 you earn in this game, the second highest of the season. And I think you yourself said you knew that you were going to have to really raise your game to be able to defeat someone like Hannah. Yeah, I think part of what Jeopardy has made me realize is uh, <laughs> I, I am a very competitive person. <laughs> Right. So, you it know. took Jeopardy to teach you this, Ben? You didn't know this ahead? <laughs> I've had the good fortune of getting to hang out with Hannah once uh, over the summer. I made a trip down to Chicago, and Hannah is, as I think millions of people saw on television, wicked smart, super <laughs> nice, so calm. She had the kind of stage presence that I wish I had. Right? I like, <laughs> when I watched myself on TV, I was very much my friend's said oh that's what you're like I was like oh I guess yeah that is what I'm like I wish I were more like Hannah um, <laughs> so you know I think when I walked into the garage that day right before taping and I it was the first time I was able to talk about my experience in weeks to anybody right so I was very excited to say oh hey guys you know I won three games and you know I was telling all the all the, all the other contestants that and then Hannah was pretty reserved and then <laughs> at some point she's forced to, to to reveal that she's won eight games and, that, and at that point I felt one a little bashed about how much I've been talking about my three game winning streak and two right it set me into Knight Rider yeah. if you've seen Knight Rider the car kit has something uh-huh. called super pursuit mode where uh-huh. Michael Knight would hit a button and yeah. all these things would come out and yeah, when I heard Hannah had won eight games, it kind of kicked me into super pursuit mode. So Hannah definitely brought out the best in me. Well, that's definitely a moment all of our contestants talk about. You know, you're kind of all just talking. No one really knows who the champ is, and you don't really know who's won how much. And the Ken Jennings competitors really talk about that day when all of a sudden you hear about <laughs> this guy who's won like 40 shows. And so you got to hear about Hannah and her eight wins. One thing that's interesting about your run, because of the fact that you came back, you've had an experience of playing in all three podiums. You know, you started out in podium three for your first game, and then, of course, you move to the champion's podium, and then you come against Hannah, and you're back at podium two. Do you have a favorite? I'm going to guess I know which one, but do you have a favorite? I do like podium number one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I felt comfy there. I think... I guess I spent the most time there, right? Sure. Yeah. Felt like home for you. Now, in your time, nine runaway games. And, you know, along the run, you were asking, is this some sort of record? And we ended up checking the stats. And in fact, you are the first player to win their first nine games in a runaway You know, there are players who did that in various times within their long streaks, like James and Ken, but no one did their first nine games, Ben. You got to feel pretty good about those bragging rights, huh? Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? (laughs) That was was not on my radar at all. And then somewhere in the middle of it, I thought, oh, right. I remember Ken pretty early on didn't have a runaway. In his first game, he didn't have a runaway, right? Because he needed that final jeopardy. It could have all gone very differently. Marion Jones. (laughs) And so when I realized that, I was like, oh, and I realized there hadn't been, I think, like a five, you know, runaway to start their streak in a long time. And so that got me thinking. Now, obviously, tons of luck goes into that. And, you know, when I looked back at the statistics from my run, you know, the thing that I was fortunate about was that I managed to collect the vast majority of daily doubles during my run. And Doing that is a pretty good way of getting to a runaway. Um, So that was probably the the secret 
was getting all those daily doubles <laughs> for myself. A couple of times I felt bad about it, so I apologized for hogging the daily doubles. But you can't find the daily doubles unless you are ringing in correctly most often. That is a big part of it. And, you know, your average correct responses per game, 28. That's really impressive. Correct on 8 out of 10 final Jeopardies. Final Jeopardy. I have to talk about the final, final for Ben. You know, it was a category that I'm sure you have replayed in your head so many times. Shakespeare's characters. You write Benedict instead of Benedict as we were going for Beatrice and Benedict. The Internet is in an uproar. Talk about what you felt in the moment, because I know you and I talked about it right in the moment, and then what you felt, you know, as time passed. One of the things I'm happy about talking to you today is that I have my wits about me, because I think <laughs> when I talked to you before, it was after these long, wild days of ups and downs, and like I could not match your energy, and I barely felt in control of the, of the words coming out of my mouth. And so... In the moment, because I was in something like that state of mind when it happened, I was actually kind of on autopilot at that point in my run. And I was very surprised that I had that many correct responses in that game because I remember on stage that I was having trouble parsing the clues as they were coming up. And so fortunately, some sort of, you know, lizard part of my brain kicked in and I was able <laughs> to get a lot of correct responses. And so I figured, right, I made a mistake, right? You know, as I said on, on social media, you know, if I had to do it again, I would definitely say Benedict. Um, the one wrinkle in this is that, you know, I talked about the waiting earlier and I had no idea, like when it happened, I thought, oh, I could see how some people maybe might get upset about this when it airs but i have no idea maybe people won't care and that's the one thing that's been a little bit of the what's the opposite of a silver lining about being mm. recognized right where right. the first thing that a lot of people who recognize me uh want to talk about is that response and so i i had kind of put it behind me but every time i run into somebody they want to talk about it so i think maybe don't bring it up <laughs> when you run into it. Okay, is anyone listening? Ben Chan doesn't want to talk about Benedict or Benedict ever again. All right, let's talk about Green Bay. Let's talk about Runaways. Let's talk about that, but maybe not that final Jeopardy. Not a moment you want to hash out over and over again. Right, Ben? Yeah, <laughs> that's maybe the, the best policy for that. The good news is that wasn't your last chance on the Alex Trebek stage. You leave us as a champion knowing that, you know, you had secured your spot in the Tournament of Champions. So what's it like to leave knowing that you're coming back? First off, what's that feeling like? It's more waiting. <laughs> <laughs> it's more waiting, right? I think it's a lot. It's interesting, right? Well, I think one of the things that I actually study philosophically is attention and what we pay attention to, right? And you know, I think anytime you get seriously into a new practice, it really alters how you pay attention to the world. Um, 
so for a time I was very into woodworking and, <laughs> you know, I realized anytime I walked into a room, actually almost every room you walk into has some sort of wood in it. And if you are into woodworking, you will be paying attention and thinking about how they joined the wood, right? What kind of wood they used, the kind of challenges that were involved in making various pieces. Um, and for a while, for about a year, anytime I went anywhere, <laughs> I'd be looking at all the pieces <laughs> of furniture and carpentry uh, around me and trying to imagine how those things were made. Right. And so I think the thing that, you know, still being active in Jeopardy means for me is that I'm continuing to pay attention to the world in a way that Jeopardy encourages. Right. So one of the nice things. I had become a bit of a news avoider <laughs> um, in <laughs> Understandable, recent years. Ben. Yeah. Understandable. And I realized that if I wanted to make my dreams come true on Jeopardy, I could no longer be a news avoider, right? So that's one of the little things, right, where, you know, I've gotten back into a, a diet of uh, news consumption, of paying attention to things that I paid attention to before, but hadn't paid attention to in some years. And so I think that's the biggest impact on a day-to-day -day basis is just continuing to pay attention to the world in a certain kind of way. Interesting. Factors ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, obviously you came into the season later in the season. So you had already seen some of the super champs before you and certainly the people who came after, not as many super champs after you. But what is your thought? Who are you most nervous about? Who are you thinking, I've really got to do that night Rider mode for the TOC? <laughs> I think everybody. I was listening to Matt Amodio's interview from a couple of weeks ago and you know, he mentioned being a, you know, a serious stats guy when it came to all things, but also when it comes to Jeopardy. And, you know, if you read some of the threads, people have noted that after a couple of years where we had some mega super champs, mm -hmm. you know, like Amy and Matt and Matea, 
season 39 did not see as many super long champions but right if you dig a little deeper you'll see that arguably mm -hmm. this toc field is no offense intended <laughs> deeper <laughs> than <laughs> well see the, the last toc field right so I, i'll just use one metric i think the number of toc qualified people who had an average Coriat over 20,000 is many, many. <laughs> there are many of them in this TOC field. There are a lot of people who would not be surprising to see win the Tournament of Champions. So I think my game plan is to try to do what I did the first time around, which is to prepare as well as I know how. And then once I get there to have fun. I like it. I like that you can still try to have fun with that level of competition. We love stats here at Jeopardy, so I love that you're looking at the various Coriat and seeing <laughs> how it compares. You know, we've talked about waiting, and obviously, once again, you'll be waiting a little longer. As with everything that's going on, uh, we have decided to push the season 39 postseason. And so with that in mind, is it better to have more time to prepare or is it more of a disadvantage, would you say? I think we all have more time to prepare. So sure. I think the contestants will be well prepared. I think the winners in all of this hopefully will be the viewers, right? Where we'll see a very high level of play. You mentioned um, the ability to have fun. And I'd say, you know, everybody involved, the writers, the producers and the hosts make it very easy to have fun right? because the, the clues are such of such high quality. The hosts are so good at what they do that they make it easy to have fun once you're up there. And of course, you know, the contestant coordinators do an awesome job of getting us in the right frame of mind, too. Well, and with that in mind, I bring up Masters because I think that's what so many people enjoyed so much about Masters was being able to see six contestants on Jeopardy who had reached that level of comfort on the stage, if you will, that they really could have fun even in the midst of such a huge level of competition. One thing for the TOC champion that's never been at play before, not noticeably at play, was that you're guaranteed a spot in Masters. So as if the bragging rights of saying you're a Tournament of Champions winner isn't enough, now you know that you're headed to primetime. You're going primetime ABC Masters. Does that motivate you more? Does it put a little extra pressure? What does that add to the stakes for you, Ben? It does add a little bit of pressure. It would just be such an amazing experience <laughs> to be able to play in Masters. One, you get to play more than one game. You're guaranteed to play more than one game. And I forget which of the champs said it this season, but that really is the best part of winning is that you get to play more Jeopardy. Yeah. And I think it's the worst part of losing is that you don't get to play any more Jeopardy, right? So Masters is a unique opportunity to play a lot more Jeopardy. <laughs> that really is a huge incentive. Um, as I said, I, I try not to be outcome oriented and more process <laughs> A little difficult but, in this situation, but it's, yeah. It's, it's, a little, it's a little difficult in this situation. All right. Well, I have a couple of questions from one of my podcast co-hosts, Buzzy Cohen. Where's Buzzy? I know. He's not here today. He's wrapping up a little holiday vacation, but... He has a couple of questions he likes to ask. So I have to know, what's your go-to lunch order <laughs> when you're here on the Sony lot getting ready 
to play, you know, the fourth game. You've played in three. It's it's middle of the day. What are you going to for lunch? Uh, we had different lunch options every day. I think I tried to stay on the lighter side with um, if there was a salad with a protein in it. I went with that. So that was my my go to lunch order. All right. You think you're going to stick with something like that for the uh, Tournament of Champions? Yeah, I think I'll stick with that. I think the the only change I'll make is I think I needed more caffeine during the day. So okay. I might, I might be more highly caffeinated when I return. All right. And my other question, there are so many great stats, but what is your Jeopardy stat that you're the most proud of? Yeah, so this is one of the crazy things, you know, that happens when you're waiting is that you, for me, I dug into all the stats. And so the Jeopardy fan site has come up on the pod before. Mm -hmm. um, and Andy Saunders does a very good job of curating different stats. And one of the things that he has on his site is something called the 300 Club where it was contestants who have had 300 correct responses on Jeopardy. And to my great surprise, I was very close to being part of the 300 Club. I had 288 correct responses in my nine games. And so I have a good chance of reaching the 300 Club. I love it. When I come back. So yeah, that was the biggest surprise was that I had that many correct responses because they didn't feel like that. 288 is probably my favorite stat. All right. Well, we look forward to welcoming you into the 300 Club when you're back for the TOC. Thanks so much for catching up with us. Thank you, Sarah. Always love the chance to catch up with Ben Chan. He really does bring joy on the Alex Trebek stage, and certainly he did today on the pod. And that wraps up today's show. We'll be back next week to talk with 13-game Jeopardy super champion Ray Lalonde. In the meantime, subscribe to the podcast, rate us, leave us a comment, share across social, and follow us at Jeopardy on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, on TikTok, on threads, on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Follow us there and send us your questions to InsideJeopardyPodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next week.